Climate Change and as Ghana Ground Zero is a podcast on the intersection between climate change, gender equality, and reproductive health. Hi, I'm Philip. It's the last episode of the series. We've done five so far. We've met incredible people dealing with the challenges of climate change the best way they can. In the series, we spoke with Fatal. Fatal is a migrant community leader in Tema Station. Fatal refers to what the female headquarters carry as Kaya. Kaya means birding in the Hausa language. Ye refers to women in the Ga language. Combined, Kaya and Ye is Kaya Ye. These are the women of Ghana who carry our loads. In this series, I learned how African women are the first and most affected by climate change. Philip, what about you? What is your takeaway from working on this series? It's been an interesting journey and working on this series, I get to find or I saw a number of individuals along the coastal line, especially Benjamin Kombe, who has lost his livelihood uh, when he was into some eatery and also a bar or a pub. He, he was running with his wife, but the situation there was that to the extent that he's now not having any means of uh, livelihood and he's resorted to fishing as a result of coastal erosion and also rising sea level. And also, Diane, what is your take from this particular project so far? Uh, it's been an interesting one. It's been a learning journey. This podcast has really um, taught me a lot in terms of production and taking sounds from the field. So I didn't even know that podcasts could be so interesting and also you get to listen to what is going on on the field and feel like you are there with them and it took a lot of work to do that. With my story on gender, it's amazing how women are being marginalized, mm. especially here in Ghana. When I saw um, how women have been greatly impacted by the impact of climate change, I was amazed. I didn't know it could be so close to us. I mean, it's, it's a very interesting topic, and I believe that everyone that listens to this will be impacted and will know exactly what is happening here in Ghana. Amazing stuff. And Yvonne, what is your take uh, from this project so far? So for me, this project has been a learning process as well. Initially, I didn't know what a podcast was, but um, getting on this project, I got to learn the nitty gritties of podcasting, especially writing of the script down to uh, production. Now, my topic on innovation, I got to learn so many things. I saw how a lot of people were coming up with innovative stuff just to get rid of the so much plastics that we have in this country and 
that takes us to recycling recycling plastics and trying to get something out of it that can be used and i think those have been some amazing journey that i, I have been on and i learned a great deal on this project interesting uh evelyn can you tell us about your experience so far on this project thanks philip i think this project has been really an eye-opener for me um, as a climate activist, learning how to tell stories of vulnerable people at the front line has been really interesting. Working on the Coco story was really mind-blowing, like going to the communities and seeing how these farmers who have worked all their entire lives on Coco in the hope that they can have a secured future for their kids at the risk of losing their livelihood is really painful. Like some of them are actually beginning to lose hope. Some are trying to leave cocoa farming entirely. To the extent that you see that some of these farmers are even selling their farmlands for illegal mining. It's really heartbreaking. And I hope that through this podcast, our stakeholders will really take another look into how climate change is affecting these cocoa farmers and actually do something about it. Well, interesting stuff from all of you. And I must say that it's also been quite interesting, um, particularly for me about the production. Wow. I'm sure most of our listeners don't know that some of what we say are scripted, but I'm amazed at how some of these scripts were put together. And although I've been doing journalism for all these years, I've learned a lot from this script writing, which I hope to use in my work. What we heard um, throughout these episodes is the impact of climate change on women and girls. Um, One of these areas is sexual and reproductive health rights. Um, As you may recall from the episode of climate change and migration, women on the move are exposed to sexual harassment and exploitation. What I also found out is that girls and women who already face barriers to sexual and reproductive rights are left more vulnerable. So we are also not only seeing a rise in gender-based violence among people displaced by climate change, we are also seeing a rise in early forced marriages. Early forced marriage is a huge problem here in the country. I think it it affects about one in five girls. It's embedded in culture and religion. The thing is, climate change tends to worsen such existing problems. As women and girls are displaced or their livelihoods are lost, you can see that they are also unable to assert their rights and access services. One of the biggest threats comes from the social fragility that climate change causes. When people are facing declining yields and or are being forced to migrate, girls and women are exposed to a wide range of issues. I remember talking to this woman who lives in the streets around CMB. For those of you who do not know, the area is called CMB because that is where the headquarters of the Cocoa Marketing Board, um, CMB, is. Um, She had three young children with her and she was barely 21 years I'm not sure all these children were her choice. In fact, almost every woman or girl we spoke to while reporting on the migration story had a child or two with them. 
It's clear that these women and girls are unable to lead very productive lives. It sucks that they are in this downward spiral where they have no rights and are therefore more vulnerable to climate change, which further reduces their rights and make them more vulnerable to the impacts of climate change. That's a very hopeless picture. Can anything be done? What emerged repeatedly from the episode on gender, I think was the need to empower women and girls to assert their rights. I think one of those cultural and religious barriers holding women down is that they have almost no voice and influence over decisions and social norms. More enlightened women are better placed to take control of their sexual reproductive life and health. Well, the bigger picture or the bigger challenge is that climate change is not being discussed as reproductive health problem, not by policymakers, not by NGOs. That is a missing link in the debate. Doreen, tell us why you chose to be part of this project. Well, I chose to be part because I want to learn and um, some friends and myself have been wanting to put together or have our own channel where we use our experience as journalists to produce um, news items that we could um, put on our channels. And so I saw this as an opportunity to learn. But throughout the process, I've not just learned for that. I've learned for myself. I have learned how people live their lives. I've learned how people have to leave everything that makes them who they are behind just because they need to survive. You see people sleeping on the street, they have children. Yes, when you go to, on a normal day, when you go to town, you see these kayaki, you call them um, to carry your load, they come, you pay them. But this project has given me a direct connection to go into their lives, to know exactly what happens to them. And I interviewed one lady, Fulera, who says she wakes up at 12 midnight. I mean, who wakes up at 12 midnight to work when you have a family, when you have children to take care of? And as a woman, she doesn't just work for herself and the children. She takes the money back to her husband who is in the village. And I'm wondering how a woman would have to be going through all of this just because she has to live and because um, the situation in her town or in her village where she comes from will not allow her to live a life that is more dignified. And for me, that is what I've learned. And it's really impacted me on how I deal with these kayai. So from what you've indicated, has the project changed your perception you have about the kayai? And now when you see them, do you see them same as you were before we entered into this project? Well, definitely not. That's definitely not the case. I see them and... I feel that, well, if she's, yes, she may be providing a service for me, but it's also up to me to help her in the best way I can. So I'm sure the next time I go to town and I see a care and I would need to engage her for some service, maybe I'd have to give her more than what she really needs or what she really asks for. Great stuff there. Diane, share with us uh, the reason why you joined this podcast. Well, for me, climate change has always been an interesting topic um, that I wanted to explore more in. And I have done a few projects around it. And so this was a great opportunity for me to um, learn, add on to my knowledge. And also, um, 
I have a podcast, but unfortunately, I didn't have the necessary knowledge and skills. So this was also a learning journey for me to add on to what I'm doing and to be able to produce high quality content for people to listen to. Wow. So Evelyn, everybody's talking about the reason for being part of this podcast, but I know you very well. You are into the climate change space. And uh, can you share with us the reason why you also chose to join this project? Yes, I have been in this space for a while as a youth activist and now as a development communicator working mostly on natural resource and environmental governance. But I decided to join this project because I've been on the front line, I've seen the impact of climate change. But then uh, what I haven't seen is allowing people who are affected to tell their own stories. For them to explain to us how this is impacting them and their families and what they are doing about it and so getting the opportunity to really give people a voice give those who are really suffering the impact of climate change a voice for them to tell their own stories was really important to me and philip as you know i mean we went to school together i did journalism but i never really practiced because Yes, the activism took me away. So uh, being able to also practice being a broadcaster, even if it's just for a few um, episodes, was really an interesting position for me. And so I decided to take up the challenge and learn more. And hopefully I can use this in my work and use it to tell more stories henceforth. And Yvonne, uh, will you also want to share with us the reason why you joined this podcast? Yes. This um, whole journey has been uh, an eye-opener for me in terms of the topic that we base this podcast on climate change. So about the project, it was Doreen who actually approached me whether I was interested. And I, I told her, definitely because I've been hearing of podcasts, podcasts where I want to know what it entails. So it was basically Doreen's idea that I joined this project and it's been an amazing journey. There were so many things that I didn't know, but this project has really, really taught me a lot and it has sharpened my skills right from the production, brainstorming and everything. I've really, really learned a lot and it's going to take me far. So Yvonne, were you interested in climate change before joining the project? Not really. Not really. I always see see that topic. I I saw it too broad. I didn't really know what it was about. So I, about this project, I saw it as an opportunity to get to know more about climate change and all that it entails. And did that happen? Did you enjoy it? It it, it did. It did. Back to plastics. There are so many things happening that I, I didn't know at first. For example, when I spoke to Nelson, trying to use plastics to build houses, I saw it quite a bit strange. How can that be done? So when I got to his project site and I saw all that they were putting together, I realized that there's so much going on, especially when it comes to plastic recycling. So this project has been a great learning process for me. With what Yvonne said, I think that Yes, as much as we 
want to say that climate change is all gloomy and destructive. It has also shown how resilient and innovative Ghanaians are. You see a lot of young people coming up with innovative ideas on how to tackle climate change. And even the farmers themselves, the cocoa farmers with the hand pollination that the government introduced. And when you go on the field, you see the cocoa farmers also relying on indigenous knowledge to actually tackle this climate change. So I think that as much as this whole climate change is destructive, it's also bringing up a lot of innovations and hopefully I'm optimistic that we can battle this and win at the end of the day. And even apart from hand pollination, one of the ideas I got while conducting the interviews was that due to how dry the land was for cocoa, now some NGOs have put up some plants so that these farmers can easily have access to water during throughout the year. And so they really do not have to rely or have to be so impacted by climate change and for me, that's, that's, that was just great because um, obviously um, as they do this for these farmers, it sort of um, reduces the impact climate change will be having on them and their farms. And I think that's really great. Gustav, that for me, I was so curious to know what podcast is about when we were beginning this whole project. We were told that it's going to move so different from the normal journalism work, the normal broadcasting stuff. But it's been interesting. I've been able to learn how the scripting is done, how the interviews are being picked, how to interview individuals on the field and so on and so forth. And I think so far, so good. My expectations have been met. And the reason why I joined this podcast entirely is to learn and learn more as a broadcaster. Um, from what we've been hearing, I think there's a lot of hopelessness in the discourse around climate change. I've heard this so many times. People are beginning to lose hope. What do you think? Is it all that hopeless or there's some hope? Well, I believe there's some hope. Well, we're seeing that people are becoming more aware. Um, people are getting more education. We hear so many um, NGOs, the government, talking about um, how climate change is affecting the economy, how climate change is affecting different parts of our lives. And so I believe there's hope something can be done about it once we are aware. For me, there's hope as well. Day in, day out, I realize that people are coming out with innovations and people are thinking outside the box actually to know what they can do to help the environment and if our political leaders are committed to the tax i feel we can get somewhere well that's key that's key political will and i'm sure that is why we have the climate change adaptation plan for ghana but the issue is how we implement it if you're able to implement it to the latter if people in authority if government officials do not cut corners and rather focus on this plan for the long term, I think that there's a lot of hope for Ghana, particularly, and the world. If you can walk, you can dance. If you can talk, you can sing. So I'll leave you with a song by Ghana's female headquarters, which he had in episode four. Ba ba ba
This is Climate Change and Us, Ghana Ground Zero, the last episode in a series of six. My name is Dorina Fofo, and from all of us here, Yvonne, Diane, Evelyn, Philip, thank you for being part of our climate change story. Bye bye. Bye Thank you. See you. Climate Change and Us, Ghana Ground Zero, is put together by young Ghanaian broadcasters and community advocates. Diane Kufu, Philip Latte, Evelyn Ado, Yvonne Atilego, Doreen Ampofo. The podcast is produced by Eugene Fongwa. <laughs>